Hello. Hey, Carl, do you want to build a snowman? Do I want to build a snowman? No, I think reindeers are better than people because they are. Speaking of Frozen, we'll talk to our guest, Berkeley Going, who's going to be in the Fox's production of Frozen in just a second. And then around minute 32, Ticket to Paradise. Around minute 42, Black Adam and Tar. Around minute 47, Raymond and Ray on Apple+. Plus. And then minute 49, The Curse of Bridge Hollow on Netflix. And then around minute 53, Halloween Happenings and The Theater Roundup. Well, we have the Disney phenomenon frozen coming to the fox which and, i'm excited about and i learned when i was down at disney world how kids come up to anna and elsa and say do you want to build a snowman they actually can with kids hands in their hands you put up the kid puts their hand out like this and then anna or elsa puts their hands on top of each other and then they make a little olaf like that oh it's very cute because oh. I thought I'd be a smart ass and say that. And then they said, oh, well, yes, we can make a snowman with you right now. And it's very well done. They think of everything at Disney. They do. And this is a stage show. And you and I have been watching Disney stage shows since they turned uh, Beauty and the Beast into a musical way back when. And they also workshop all these musicals on the cruise ships so i have seen some of these plays on cruise ships before they go on broadway aha uh -huh. well the uh frozen movie we saw during award season 2013 and none of us yeah, knew came anything. out in november none i know and none of us knew anything about it we did not know the lyricists we weren't familiar with that we knew who idina menzel and christian bell were and and Jonathan uh, Goff, Jonathan Goff and uh, Josh, Josh Gad. Gad. But what a delightful film that took <laughs> off and every single little girl in America knows let it go. So now we're talking to a grown up girl that we saw at the Muni for 19 seasons, Berkeley going, and she is a St. Louisan graduate of Nearings Hall. And she is now on tour with the Frozen folks. She will be coming to the Fox and she is part of the ensemble, but she is also the understudy to Anna. So she can wear her Narynx green. <laughs> Welcome, Berkeley. We're so happy that you took time for us this morning. Well, thank you. I'm really excited to be here. The uh, part of Anna, what do you like most when you, because you played Anna over 70 times as an understudy. So what is your favorite part of playing Anna? Gosh, that's really hard. I, I love the physicality of it. It's one of the most physical roles I've ever done. Um, and I've been dancing my whole life. So I, I usually dance in shows, but the number of quick changes and wig changes that happen on stage it's crazy. I, I've never seen anything like it before. Um, it's it's really incredible the magic that they pack into two hours, not only with the technical elements and with the set, but with the sound design, the wigs, the the costumes. Um, I, I also, I just love doing the end of the show with whatever Elsa is on stage. Um, 
sometimes I will just start crying because it's so magical, not to spoil anything, but it's, it's just a beautiful ending and it, it feels very magical being inside of it. I remember watching the film and when the climactic near end scene, uh, I re- I leaned over to our friend Max and I said, she don't need no man because, <laughs> because yep. it is very, this was the, this was the start of Disney getting away from uh, the damsel in distress, not trying right. to pair everybody else. And then since that there have been fewer and fewer shows, uh, Disney movies that, the woman needs to find a man. And this was the first one of those and it started a trend that has continued to this day. Yeah. It's, it's about so much more than that. Um, and, and not only, you know, the main one is sisterly affection and sisterly love, but you really feel how important friendship is with Olaf and with Sven and, and even with Kristoff, the, the idea of friendship and community, um, because these girls have been alone their entire lives. Mm-hmm. And Elsa is af- afraid to let anyone in and seeing the magic that is just having other good people or snowmen or reindeer <laughs> in your life. It's, it is a very unique story to be telling. And I, I really love being able to look out in the audience and see all of the kids that are soaking it all in and, and taking in that message every night. And it's not just the kids dressing up. There are adults dressing up as well. There for sure are <laughs> adults dressing up. Oh yeah. Oh, and like full out. It's really impressive. We, because we can see the audience pretty well, especially the orchestra and, and gosh, it, yeah, it, it, brings a smile to all of our faces when we see costumes because it's really it isn't just a show for kids it's not so uh, the show's nearly that, 10 years old these kids that were growing up are now yeah. uh in their 20s right right but even even somebody that wasn't a child and that you know was an adult when it came out or was a parent it, it's not just the movie copy and pasted onto the stage which i think is important too um so you don't know exactly what you're getting yourself into when you walk into the theater, but it, it isn't just themes for kids. It isn't just an overall, you know, storyline for children. I think adults can get a lot out of it too. And we look out into the, into the house and see adults crying all the time. Like I said, I cry on stage sometimes because it's beautiful. It's, it's a message for everyone of any age. Um, so you don't just have to bring your kids to it. You can bring your grandparents or anyone that you want to bring because anyone can especially in today you know today's climate get a little bit of joy from just seeing some magic on stage you were telling me yesterday i have an article of, of about berkeley going into the webster kirkwood times next week and she was telling me that this version of Frozen, which she has been on, she has been on tour since 2019 and then the COVID shut down, but then they, they resumed right away. Uh, they have changed it from the Broadway show. So if you saw it on Broadway, you're not going to get this version. This is a new version. Uh, tell us about what is different. Yeah. So the original Broadway production that opened when they opened our tour 
in 2019, in the fall of 2019, they just made a, a couple of tweaks and adjustments that I think tightened the show and, and brought it back to the thematic elements a little bit closer. Um, so there are, there are there's a new song in the show that had what? never been in the there, well there's new music that wasn't in the movie in the original production on broadway mm-hmm. um like what do you know about love and monster um so there are new songs that were already added but in our version there was an additional song added that had never been heard before not on broadway not anywhere else they added not in it frozen into our two tour. Not in Frozen 2. It was um, written by Kristen and Bobby Lopez. So the amazing team that wrote everything else in the movie, the, the iconic Let It Go and everything. The EGOT since. winners. Yeah, they're incredible. And they wrote this song called I Can't Lose You that is now in act two between Anna and Elsa. And it's it was pretty iconic to get to hear our original Anna and Elsa sing it because it, it was the first time that any Anna and Elsa sang together in a song like they sang on top of each other in the movie or would be Mm -hmm. in different parts of the castle singing at the same time but this is the first time that they sang to each other in a song ever and I think it is such a beautiful song I I, it really amazes me how much that song adds to the show and elevates it and just strengthens the bond between these two characters that you already love so it's just an additional amazing element to the show and then and then additionally there's there's a few new lines in it since frozen 2 has come out and Mm -hmm. there's there's new blocking new scene work new um new bits of songs and and cuts and trims it's just it's a really tightened nice version that they've taken overseas and it's in london and australia that's the version that we are doing um and i think it's it's just a really special version of the show that our cast helped to cultivate and create with the creative team who are all brilliant and really gave all of us, you know, freedom and creativity throughout the process. Well, it's so cool to hear you uh, talk about this with such enthusiasm and emotion. Mm-hmm. And you've been doing this for a long time. So what keeps you all going with this show? Cause the road life can get a little grueling. Yeah, it, it can, it, so I started rehearsal in August of 2019, and then we shut down in March of 2020 while we were in Portland, Oregon. And then throughout the entire pandemic, you know, I like to say I've been with Frozen for three years or over three years at this point. We haven't been performing for three years, but even during the pandemic, all of us would get on Zoom meetings together and catch up and we got to watch, you know, parts of the show together and, and our, our company management and all, all of the people in charge would really try to help keep us going and inspired and so it was really thinking about frozen all throughout that i would sing in my living room and try and make sure that all the honest stuff was still in there somewhere and i'd run in place and try and sing so it's kind of been three years of frozen um but the magic of coming back in the fall of last year a little bit over a year ago was something that I don't, I hope that we never have to experience again coming out of a pandemic back into live theater, but I'm feeling emotional just talking about it. Coming back and opening back in Buffalo with that first audience was such a magical feeling. Hearing a live audience clap just when the curtain rose was so cool. Um, 
so that really helped keep a lot of people going and a lot of the original cast ended up staying longer than they thought they would because of the pandemic which was really cool and kept our bond and you know this original cast really tight and we felt like it was really special um and now you know we've had people coming in and out new cast members joining and having that fresh energy always helps um but yeah traveling traveling on the road can be tough just not having a home and living in different airbnbs every week not knowing what you're really going to be walking into when you step into a new home and figuring out a different theater but i am i also think that is the aspect that keeps me going is the novelty every two weeks or every five weeks or however often we um because you can't really get sick of anything on the road if you're like I'm kind of done living in this Airbnb or in this city you don't really have opportunity to be tired of it because you're on to the next city um and you meet new people we have new dressers and new you know local crew and and hair and meeting all those people is exciting getting to go to all these cities is really cool and then and then just being part of such a quick joyful show is I, I love it. And the ensemble is pretty heavily in the show. So there's not time to like sit backstage. We're, we're dancing a lot of the show, which I love because it makes the shows go really, really fast. Um, and then just on a personal level, I, I love my dance partners. I love the people I've met in the cast and they make me smile every day that I'm there and, and make me feel like I'm at home and I actually because I'm not there right now I'm really missing my people I'm really missing them a lot which I didn't entirely expect to feel it on such a deep level but it has been a part of my life they've been a part of my life for so long now well speaking of that when when you're understudying Anna are you under when you finally do get to play Anna do you perform the character of the main lead or are you performing Kristen Bell or are you bringing your own voice to it? Mm, that's a really good question. I think, well, when I saw the movie, um, I told Lynn this, I love Kristen Bell so much. And I've Veronica Mars is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just think she is so effortlessly funny. Um, and I definitely identified with the character of Anna. I just, you know, like coming from like a gut feeling and just expressing how you're feeling in the moment is something that I do. And I am very emotionally driven. And I love that she is just, she just goes for it if she's feeling it in the moment. Um, and she trusts herself. And, and I just, I've always identified with those like core um, characteristics of that character. I think subconsciously what you're watching every day in in the actual person in the role does seep into you in a bit and um, our original Anna Caroline Interbickler was so smart and so intentional in everything that she did in that character and I watched her do it you know all through rehearsals and through the, the first cities and she's no longer with us she's moved on to do something else and I just think that her Anna did seep into me and I looking back on it I didn't recognize it at the time but I'm so grateful that it did because it was so smart and it, and it grounded my Anna in a way that I didn't even recognize and until you know pretty recently I was like oh this is why I I feel so grounded in this character and I all of these you know 
because it's a Disney show, you could expect to like see Disney actors and people that are just <laughs> singing the songs. And it's it's not important. We're just saying the lines because they'll get a laugh. But you can get away with stuff. Right. But our principal cast um, watching for so many years, the our original principal cast go at those roles and really be grounded in them and, and take such care of them and take care of each other and make sure that there are real connections being made between the characters. It, it grounded our show and made it so it's not just this, you know, surface level, shallow performance of Frozen. You we really, you know, the book was written by Jennifer Lee, the original director for the movie. So it's it's grounded in already, just the way it's manufactured in in the show it's grounded in the movie itself and then our creative team Michael Grandage and it, it, all of our directors and everyone that was involved in the creation of it really helped ground our actors in reality and why why would this character say that why would they do that why is Elsa saying that to her sister um and I feel like that's that's impacted my performance of Anna a lot. And I'm so grateful for it. Um, but I also, you know, I'm encouraged by our team to bring my own things to it. So if there's a way that I think that she would say something or that she would do something, I've been encouraged to do it. And I'm very grateful for that too, because, you know, I do have my own instincts sometimes and right. it's nice to be able to follow those and, and be given direction to follow those because that's the way that you make the most authentic theater. It's the way you make the most authentic show in that moment. Um, is by allowing each of us to individually live in that moment and connect with each other authentically in the moment. So when you were in St. Louis, are you going to be the guide for your castmates to see what the, <laughs> what is so awesome about St. Louis? Are you going to take them to Forest Park? And where else are you going to tell them so. to go? Well, one other um, member of our cast in the ensemble, Daniel, Daniel Schweitzer, is also from St. Louis. So there's two of us that are in the cast together, which it just blows my mind that any the one, the cast I'm in right now it, here in East Haddam at Goodspeed, one of my best friends growing up in St. Louis that did the Muni with me every summer is in this cast with me. Everywhere you go, there's somebody from St. Louis in the cast with you, <laughs> which I just I absolutely love. But um, so he, so hopefully he'll have some ideas too. Um, I will, I don't know. I've heard some people, a lot of people have already been through St. Louis on other tours and everyone I talk to says, oh my gosh, you're from St. Louis. I loved going to St. Louis on such and such tour. Or like, that was one of my favorite cities on this tour. And I'm like, I know it's, <laughs> it's pretty special. Um, they should be excited to go back. Everyone talks about the city museum. Uh, if it's the summer, people always go to the zoo. But um, yeah, Forest Park, I told Lynn, is, it's like my favorite place to go. I love going to the different museums and just walking you around. You can take him to the boathouse. Good. Yeah, she, okay. um, what, what right now you were at the Goodspeed Opera House doing 42nd Street. Yes. And, uh, is this, uh, you were in the Muni one, which was incredible. Do you remember seeing that, Carl? I did see that, yes. With the staircase and the yes. rolling. Gosh, the stairs. Oh, my goodness. That was just so, I kept hearing people talk about the staircase, and I was like, where's the staircase? And then all of a sudden, oh, oh my You can't God. miss it, right. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. And Joe Grandy was in it from Belleville. And yes. and and yes. Uh, so, yeah, no, it was just so incredible. So what has the uh, 
Muni with what has been a takeaway from the education and training you got all those summers at the Muni? I think I've learned more there than anywhere else in my life in terms of theater and becoming a theater professional. And again, it was just stuff that I was soaking in without even realizing it when I was eight or nine. And so getting to watch the best of the best every summer come and and figure out how to make a show work in 10 days is invaluable because every every show I would pick up new skills and I would pick up new new knowledge. I remember one summer I was in a, it was just in the ensemble, I think of something. I think it was in the teen ensemble. Maybe, I, maybe it was like Sound of Music or something. And I was one of the kids, but I like went to a voice lesson later that fall. And my mom was like, you sound absolutely beautiful. I think just listening to Kate Baldwin sing has made you sound better. And I think that's probably true. You just like watch people finagle new music in their in their jaws and their faces and new dance moves and in their bodies and or you hear their vocal warm ups and you're like, oh, I can do that. Yeah, yeah. And and it, again, it's not stuff you're seeking out. It's it's just things that you just see when you're there. But what I have consciously taken with me from the Muni is how to be the best professional that I can be in this industry. Um, The Muni operates with such kindness and respect without without sacrificing any professionalism. Um, But also, you know, the, the flip side of that, they're professionals without having an ego or without having to not be kind or respectful to everyone. We get the shows done. We, oh my gosh, the Muni gets shows done in such a short amount of time but everyone is kind and having a great time. It it shows that you can have an amazing time while making amazing theater. It doesn't have to be in this stressful, you know, threat of death situation every time. Um, So like taking, taking kindness and respect and fun into theater with me. And then also learning how to make problems work. I remember, um, one of our first, my Muni kid choreographer growing up, Mark Rapinski, he had a hat that he would wear that said, make it work on it. And he would just, you know, somebody would raise their hand and ask a question and he would just point at the hat and we'd all be like, hmm, okay, yeah. And so like at, at the age of seven, I was trying to problem solve on my own. And I have taken that with me, especially, you know, when there used to be midnight rehearsals and you'd be up from midnight to 5 a.m. and you're delusional. And one summer I was in two shows back to back. So I performed, I rehearsed for Chicago. Then I did a Muni teen show. Then I did a tour for, because I was working as an usher too, to make money that summer. Then I did a performance of um, Thoroughly Modern Millie. And then I did the midnight tech rehearsal of Chicago that night and I just remember being delusional but oh my god I had the best time (laughs) but when you're in that mindset and you're you're just in it you have to figure out when you get one dress rehearsal and it's at midnight and everyone is trying to figure out their own thing and if something goes wrong you have to make it work you have to fix it and 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 then first night of Chicago gets rained out and then the next night they have a show and then they shut it down (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. That Chicago, this was the one back in the mm-hmm. olden days, but yeah, but the rainouts and all of, and making it work. I, I was in the production of um, hello Dolly with Beth level 
And I remember the night that it rained out there and they kept telling her to get off the stage, but she was like, I'm going to give them Hello Dolly and performed it in the rain. <laughs> and it's just magic. I mean, there's just magic all around you at that theater. And, and you want to become your best self because everyone else is. Everyone's putting their best foot forward. So I've really learned all of those things, but really how to how to make it work. There's been so many great performances at the Muni, but I will say one of my favorite shows of the past five years was singing in the rain and you uh were the lead well you were the debbie reynolds part kathy yeah. and you yeah. performed with corbin blue and with jeffrey Schechter, who have become muni favorites as well as you so tell us about how how fun that show was there i don't know if i will ever be able to adequately put into words what that experience meant to me it came out of no I, I did not expect to have that opportunity and I am so grateful to everyone there for it um I, I always say I peaked there professionally and nothing will ever <laughs> and, I, and I truly mean it I, I remember standing on the ladder during you know the the ladder dance I don't that's, oh that's that was incredible yeah I know and I was just looking down at Corbin Blue who's not only the most amazing scene partner and professional partner, but the most amazing human being, just the sweetest, most hardworking person I've maybe ever encountered in the industry. He was and, just in a Hallmark movie. My wife is like, oh my gosh, that's Corbin Blue. He was here at the Muni. Yeah. Yeah. He's, 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 he's killing it right now. And, but I get standing on that ladder, looking at him singing at me and then getting to do a partner dance with him in this style that I've always loved, you know, that, that style of dance is absolutely my favorite. So getting, I, I just remember multiple times standing on that ladder being like, remember this, just, just take this and remember it right now. Cause it, it's so magical. And, and then getting to run into the audience at the end, um, one night when, you know, they're like, stop, Kathy, Kathy, stop that girl. And I got to run actually <laughs> into the audience at the end of the show. And I just remember one night, one of the audience members was sitting there, I think with his grandson. Um, and he just looked at me and he was like, you got to get back up there. <laughs> and it's just like the, the most amazing thing ever. I, I loved doing all of those dances. I loved doing all of that scene work and wearing those costumes. It's it it's too amazing to even really be able to put into words what that show meant to me. And I don't say that lightly. I'm not an overdramatic person. I'm a very realistic person, but that, that show really um, was very special to me. Well, great. Well, this is, um, this is a one this production of 42nd street that you were in. Is this a pre Broadway uh, workshop tryout? Uh, what, it what's is, with this? Yeah. So it's directed and choreographed by Randy Skinner. Um, and just seeing where it goes from here, I think is what, is what we're, we're being told. Um, that is the rumor. That is what I have heard, but we'll see. Um, we'll see what, what ends up making it. It's, it's a, it's a new reimagined 42nd street. So it's been really cool to be a part of it, it's smaller. I mean, good speed is such a tiny theater, but um, so they, they have condensed it and made it tighter and are trying to focus more on, on the emotional storyline rather than just, you know, showstopper after showstopper after showstopper. So yeah, we'll see. 
Well, it's been so delightful to talk to you and I'm sure you cannot wait. I'm sure there's going to be probably hordes of your muni, but your muni family, <laughs> your family, family, and uh, everybody to come welcome you. So I hope that, uh, Carl, what do you have to say about, uh, the upcoming show? Well, I'm going to, I won't be able to see it the same night as you will, Lynn, because I have a hockey game, but I am in discussions with people so that I can still see the show. If you want to follow Berkeley's career, go to Berkeley going on her Instagram at Berkeley spelled B E R K L E A going on Instagram, because those are some very cute behind the scenes stuff, including at the Muni. Yeah. Are you, are you going to take over like the Fox does that Instagram takeover? They'll have a cast member do it. <laughs> I, I don't think so. I think it might be somebody else because I am joining a little late. I won't be in St. Louis right when they open. I'll still be here in Connecticut for a little bit, but I'm rejoining the cast in St. Louis. So I'll be joining a little bit later. Aha. Uh -huh. So, but that'll still be so cool. Now, uh, yeah. uh, your mom, does she still teach dance? <laughs> she doesn't, no. She's but retired. she did all throughout my childhood, yeah. Mm -hmm. But she's proud of you more than anyone. She has been on this journey with me from the age of seven. It was not, this was not a career that anyone in my family was expecting. It was just kind of a fun summer thing to do and Again, the Muni has changed my life because I realized, oh, you can, you can you do can this. Make money. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, I think, I think I kind of have to do this. When I was in high school, I was like, okay, I guess this is, I guess this is what we're doing. And as as a product of an all girls school, and you are a proud alum of uh, Nearings Hall, you mm -hmm. told me that the the theme was empowered women empower women and you carry that forward in your career so applause to you for that thank you yeah Nairing's really changed my life um and made me who I am today uh, I am a very proud um alumnus of of Nairing I those teachers really shaped me and inspired me oh I dated some Nairing's girls I... yeah they're the best <laughs> carl's a cbc carl's a cbc graduate <laughs> of yeah, but I'm, I'm cbc from clayton not cbc from town and country so there's a big difference mm, okay big hey <laughs> oh quiet illinois you don't know what you're missing well well i wish you the best of luck in your career it's been a delight to to um talk to you and yeah. I know, I just think it's so awesome that Muni bond, the Muni kids, every time I'm around uh, Muni people, they just share this sense of family that you witness when you see them all together. And it's mm -hmm. very special. I can't, I, uh, and then, uh, and then you run into them in different places in the U.S. So all, all over the place, all over the place. I, I'm very, very lucky to be part of that community. I, I do not take it for granted, but it it's, I, I'm very lucky to be from St. Louis. I've, I, when I was 2D and meet me in St. Louis, I had one of the lines at the end of the show, wasn't I lucky to be born in my favorite city? And Aww. my mom would say that to me all the, I would say something about St. Louis. She's like, what, weren't you lucky to be born in your favorite city? And it's, <laughs> it's really true. I feel that way more and more, especially going out on tour and seeing all these new cities and new places. And I'm like, 
but St. Louis is really cool. <laughs> I really <laughs> like St. Louis. <laughs> oh, well, uh, good speed. Godspeed. And thank you so much for your time. It's been a delight. Thank you both so much. I thank you, being Berkeley. Here. Yeah. We'll thanks. see you soon. We'll let you go unless you saw the new Julia Roberts movie. No, I haven't. Uh, all right. Well, yeah. my wife I... loved it. My wife loved it. Well, I enjoyed it too because I would watch George Clooney and Julia Roberts just sit and talk to each other. I would. <laughs> because and, they and that's are, what this movie does they're, they're just so darn cute together and they just have effortless charm and we're on an island we're on bali what is not to love you know i grew up with gidget movies so a beach and and pretty people and all that it's fine we'll let you go so you don't have to hear anything about this <laughs> No, you're good. You're good. Thank you guys so much. All right, Berkeley. Thanks. thanks. Take care. Okay. Bye. Bye. So here's what my wife said. She said, I loved him. I loved her. I love everything they said. I love everything they did. Let's move to Bali. <laughs> Which yes. we are not going to do. Yes. So I, this is a rom-com that doesn't skimp on the rom or the com. But it do, it does get less caustic. It is really mean at the beginning of the film. There's a thawing over the course of an hour and 45 minutes, which some people think is unearned. Lynn, we're talking about Ticket to Paradise. As you know from Knowing Me So Long, I tend to give smart romantic comedies a pass. I don't care what they say, you know, cute little headlines. Ticket to Paradise never takes off, blah, blah, blah. For a certain demographic, this is a mom movie. You can take your mom. It's uh, very not, it's not salacious, new bad language. We're having, uh, it's a bickering couple, George Clooney and Julia Roberts. So it's a high concept. It's a formula romantic comedy, but it's directed by Al Parker, who did the best exotic m- Marigold Hotel. And I love uh, Catherine Devers. Yes. And love since Booksmart. And uh, also he did the sequel to Mamma Mia. So it has that feel. We're on an island. It's older people. But the young people have their moments, too, because Caitlin Deaver and uh, reteams with her Booksmart fellow ensemble person, Billy Lord. Yes, Billy is... Lord is very good in this movie. And a very small part. There is one part where the movie could go south. And I said, oh, no, they're not going to do that. And luckily, they didn't do that. But they give you enough just to make you think that something like that could happen with Billy Lord's character. Yes. Well, the uh, Kent actually gave it a, a decent review Uh as well it is not it is not getting good reviews no they're saying it is a thin plot <laughs> the plot is very thin well as most of these are but the 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 key is the personalities drive it and i think that the young man playing the the indonesian seaweed farmer mm-hmm. uh maxine, maxine boutier yes he's, he's french He's quite adorable 
And then Julia Roberts has a fiance played by Lucas Bravo, who was so delightful in Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. And he's also an Emily in Paris, which I never watched. I I don't either, but he's a French actor and he's got his charm, although he's the butt of some jokes between because he's handsome and French and young and George Clooney uh, has a, you know, is just envious of him and always making fun of him and things like that. But it's Bali. That to me, it goes down as easy as one of those fruity tropical drinks. And I don't really care uh, what the naysayers say because, you know, it's escapism. This is why we have rom-coms. This is why I watched Gidget Goes Hawaiian when I was a preteen. Mama Mia, all those. Think of all the exotic. So this has got like a smidgen of Crazy Rich Asians, a little bit of my best friend's wedding, every single Hallmark movie about matrimony. <laughs> and uh, it's got, uh, you know, even a little bit of Gidget in it. So the thing that Kent brought out was so funny. He was thinking, how is this girl going to pay back her law school? That is the loan? first thing I said. <laughs> I leaned over to my wife and said, she's got law school student debt. Even Joe Biden giving her 10 grand isn't going to pay for all that law school money. No. And then she's married to a, you know, kelp farmer. So, but he does the seaweed farmers. They are making money. Uh, I mean, they're living in Bali. Yes. And, and also he talks about like, he just, they just got the whole foods account. So they're, they're international business. And so I think that impressed George Clooney a little bit more. We don't quite know what he does, but she runs an no, art gallery. She runs an art gallery and he he's either an architect or a developer or he builds skyscrapers. So he because that's what you first see him doing. You see him on a construction site. So oh, that's right. That's right. And I want to say he's in Chicago and she's in L.A. And yeah. they they haven't been married. They were married. They had a wonderful relationship for five years where they produced Caitlin Deaver, who uh, is their daughter, uh, Lily. And Lily, once she gets to Bali, she's like stops wearing tight clothes. She's wearing nothing but loose fitting clothing the whole time. I'm like, oh, my gosh, we're going to have a wardrobe malfunction here very <laughs> soon. But she's in the flowing robes and she looks great. And you can tell that they're having a great time. This is what George Clooney has done. He said when he made Monuments Men, a movie I did not care for, he just took his friends and went over and did a movie in Europe. It seems that he's done the same thing. He's taken a group of his friends and made a movie in Bali. So I think this isn't as horrible as Monuments Men, but it was slight. But well, I enjoy, sure. I enjoyed a lot of it. I there were things of it that I enjoyed and it's not getting good reviews and I think some of that's undeserved. I do too. I think they just immediately go in with a chip on their shoulder and I just think there's a certain demographic that's going to like this no matter what critics say. It's just like Sweet Home Alabama that got trashed too and I still watch it when well, it's on the, TV. The so. thing is that the movies at their best when they're fighting each other and yeah. when they're not fighting each other, when they start to thaw, realize that they have to try to stop this wedding. It's it, it, once they team up, it's not as funny. And that's the thing. No, because but they, they look romantic like romantic comedy. 
they look like they're having a blast together. They just have charisma. Now there are five movies, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, and I don't actually remember what she played because uh, I saw that in two thousand two, and I just, mm-hmm. I just, I remember the subject matter. Sam Rockwell playing Chuck Barris, but I don't. Right. But that was her first movie. And then, of course, the Oceans movie where right. she's Tess and he's Danny. And they did all three of those. And then they did Money Monster um, six years ago, which I didn't really care for. I don't think it came together, but I don't she, remember that one. Uh, he was a financial TV host and she was his producer and Jack O'Connell plays a guy who lost everything on, based on Clooney's advice. And he takes the studio hostage. Yeah, I don't think I watched that one. So that was 2016. So then they're reteamed. And now they're married and with children. They're happily married with kids and their career. They're both Oscar winners. They don't have anything to prove anymore. No. And they just had fun with this. And. It's okay with me. <laughs> okay. You know, you hold movies to a different standard, just like just like theater in town. When it's a small company doing something earnest that has limited resources, I will give that a pass over the bigger houses that uh, just don't make good decisions. All right. Well, you know what else? Um I think this movie will actually do pretty well against Black Adam, which they did not screen for us. No. Mm -mm. And Black Adam's getting bad reviews, too. Well, last night when I went to see the Banshees of Inner Sharon, which Which I I chose not to go to that, which is uh, in St. Louis on November 4th. Uh, I noticed the parking lot was unusually full for a Thursday, and then it dawned on me. Oh, Black Adam. Yeah. So, therefore, it's going to make a gazillion dollars. It's got Dwayne The Rock Johnson. It's a DC character I don't know anything about. So, the box office is, they're just giving it to them. But besides, uh, besides ticket to paradise the alternative programming mm-hmm. we have the Kate blanchett awards bait darling <laughs> which you hated you hated tar yes now um now hold on there's an accent on the a is it tur is it how is it just or is it just tar it's just tar lydia tar this is two hours and 38 minutes ah uh, everybody's talking about uh, Oscar nomination for Kate Blanchett, and she is very good. She She's plays already have a, two. She already has two wins. Right. She plays a horrible person, but she is on screen 95% of the time, I'd say. Maybe 90. And she starts out this celebrated composer, conductor, she is the first ever female head of a major orchestra in Europe. She is in Berlin, the Philharmonic. She is about to release her biography, Tar on Tar. Uh, she is recording uh, with the symphony. Everything seems to be going her way. And then her carefully constructed life unravels 
spectacularly fall from grace. This also shows about cancel culture because she is haughty and imperious and she is in a same-sex relationship with the concert master in the orchestra and uh, she played by Nina Haas, excellent supporting actress. Uh, and she uh, has relationships on the side where she grooms young women in the orchestra. Oh, that's not good. No, they don't show you that in the previews. So basically she's a sexual predator and uh, uh, she, so anyway, uh, all this, she's at Juilliard doing a seminar and she tussles with one of those Gen Y kids that, that are against everything she stands for. <laughs> like old white guy music, you know, and stuff. Okay. And so they edit her confrontation with him in class to make it look worse than it is. And she's under suspicious for the suicide of a girl that she had a relationship with on the side. And uh, more and more, it's growing. So cancel culture will take hold. There's a lot of suspicions, but she just has a very strange and awkward meltdown with uh, people. It's not pretty. But my main thing about this movie, it's written and directed by Todd Field, who did the fantastic movies in the bedroom and little children. Mm -hmm. It's been nominated three times for Oscars. He is a remarkable uh, filmmaker. He has not done a film in 16 years. Because Little Children was 2006. Wow. Yeah. So this movie is so dense on minutia. Where we seem to have things in real time for long periods. This movie feels like it's six hours long. <laughs> And we, it's repetitive and she has, she lives in two different places, which seems weird. They never explain that. And there's a lot they don't explain, but yet we see things over and over and over. And so the everyday life stuff to me just gets so repetitive. Is there not a good editor here? I guess not. But the rest of the, but the film, it's well made. Uh, the acting is is quite nice. It just seems very pretentious to me. Okay. Well, I I was not really interested in seeing it, and now you have finally turned me. No, you're helping me know that I made the right decision. Yeah. Well. I am a big believer in storytelling, number one, and star power, which, of course, with Julia and George, I'm giving them a pass. But I was very excited to see a movie that came to theater, select theaters, but is now streaming on Apple called Raymond and Ray, okay. because it has two of my favorites, Ewan McGregor and Ethan Hawke as brothers. They're really oh, half wow. brothers. But... This movie doesn't seem to come together despite 
their fine nuanced performances. They play adult guys estranged from their dad. This guy was had a couple different wives and they discovered that they have other half brothers, which is kind of fun at the funeral. And they don't uh Ewan McGregor goes to Ethan Hawke's place to tell him, hey, our father died. We need to get there. Ethan Hawke doesn't want to go. Um, Ewan is a, a, has been married three times oh, wow. in the movie. And Ethan is a trumpet player. I'm not sure what he does, but he was a heroin addict for three years and has been sober for seven. The brothers don't have a, that good of a relationship. So it's a it's more of a understanding about each other, about their growing up, about their, it's kind of a part road trip. And then they get to the town and there's all sorts of quirky things that happen and they meet up with people and it just doesn't seem to connect. You want it to be better. I wanted this movie to be, because they're so good together. It's like, I hope they make another movie where they have, <laughs> They have better apart, but their interaction is fine. It's it's just kind of complicated. Uh, Rodrigo Garcia wrote and directed it, and the actress Mirabel Verdu plays the dad's last wife, and uh, she was in White Two Mama Tambien. Okay, and uh, she's very good. Uh, Sophie Okaneto is also very good. So the women. Are, are quite good in this. It's just one of those movies that you watch and you're like, mm -hmm. yeah, I watched yeah, it, you know, let's move on. And you did. Yeah. And now another movie that I, I, I saw that I'm defending for being <laughs> lightweight is the curse of bridge hollow. Okay. This is on Netflix, Netflix has decided to give us family Halloween movies like last year, the Hubie Halloween. Hubie Halloween. Yeah. I, I still like Hubie Halloween. I do too. Now to me, besides all the scary movies in October, we need to have some lighter fare. Remember Don Knotts, the ghost and Mr. Chicken. You yeah. know, we need to have things that families can watch. That's not blood and gore and dismemberment. Like Hocus Pocus 2? Well, I, I haven't seen that because I wasn't really a, that big a fan of the first one. It's much better than I thought it was going to be. But we've, so, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. Yeah, so so this is Marlon Wayans doing what he does best. He's a goofy start, uh, but he's great screamer. Oh, is this a plays, parody? Uh, no, it's just kind of a family movie. Okay. It's, um, he... Kelly Rowland from Destiny's Child is his wife, and Love he her. moves his family from Brooklyn to an idyllic tiny town in New England. He has a teenage daughter, Priya Ferguson, and she rolls her eyes at him all the time. You know, it's very formula. I'm not saying it's not, but Rob Riggle is his neighbor. So he moves hmm. to this town where everybody goes, uh, uh, goes crazy decorating for Halloween. All you know, and he's not that much into Halloween, so he's got so the the family's got to get in the spirit. He's hired to teach. The principal is John Michael Higgins, 
So we got ace supporting actors here. Oh, and the mayor is Lauren Lepkus. I like her. Yeah. And that's kind of funny. So it's just your typical, this would be hallmarky, I guess. And it's on Netflix, but it's perfect family fair. If you have children in grade school and y'all want to sit down and watch something. Now it does have some decent special effects. And uh, there's this, apparently the daughter unleashes some curse and there's all these corpses and skeletons and and everything but it's not as dark as hubie turns out to be well yeah it priya ferguson she was a star they made her into a regular cast member just for her doing a couple cameo appearances on stranger things and then they made her a big deal in the last season because she had a guest role in i think seasons two and three and they said you know what we need her and so netflix is keeping her in the family Aha. Well, I think it's fine. It's gotten terrible reviews. You know, it's really low on <laughs> everything that we liked this week had terrible reviews, but we're reviewers too. Right. That's true. And true. we, you know, have a say, but I'm just saying if you have family and I understand because, you know, I grew up watching movies with my mom and she didn't care who's getting nominated for Oscars or, or, no. you know, and she just liked to be entertained. We're talking to a segment that just likes to be entertained and there's uh, nothing wrong with that. Well, it's uh, a one week till Halloween and Grant's farm is doing their things. Stuck Myers down in uh, South. Like, uh, where is that? Is that Arnold or is that, it's it's 141 and 21. I love their Fort Spooky. That's perfect for kids. Uh, you got the Legends and Lanterns in St. Charles, Boo at the Zoo. And, you know, you have all of the big, scary haunted houses. I'm not a haunted house guy. I, I don't think haunted houses are that scary. No. But there are a lot of things going on. If you like Halloween, I mean, there are parties everywhere going on this weekend. Because yeah. Halloween's on a Monday. I mean, next week will be huge. but Halloween's on a Monday, so they're starting. The good stuff starts this weekend. Right. And there's also uh, that drive-in in Cadet, Missouri. I think it's the Starlight. Mm -hmm. They have made a haunted trail. Oh, wow. Well, also, uh, you have uh, our friends over in Belleville. They're doing Halloween movies this weekend. Well, actually, it's next weekend. Well, no, they've been doing them like oh. the whole month of October. Oh, okay. Well, that's good to know because, uh, yeah, next week is going to be the Family Slash Fest and mm -hmm. the Spooky Slash Fest. That ends their season. Right. The 28th and 29th. So, yeah, that's at Skyview. So, yeah, there's there's tons of things to do. And we're supposed to have beautiful weather this weekend. Now, yeah. if you're if you're going inside theater you know how a couple weeks ago i was complaining because all the theater had openings just yes stacked crazy. on stacked on stacked yes oh i have just been seeing theater 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 so uh this weekend is a wrap-up uh fiction is at the st louis the gaslight theater st louis actor studio it's a three-hander uh william roth is one of the characters it's a stephen deets play he mm -hmm. is the most produced American playwright that the Chicago Tribune dubbed him as no one knows. He's the <laughs> most produced player. And well, I got to talk to him last week 
and I will be having that interview posted. And he's an interesting character. And uh, this is about uh, a dying, uh, a happily married uh, couple, or so they say. Uh, and she's diagnosed with a terminal brain tumor, and she wants to read his diary. And then he asked to read hers. So it's one of those complicated what's truth, what's fiction, who's an unreliable narrator, etc. And it's uh, now playing at the gaslight. And then we have a, uh, a one of my personal crusades, a woman who's um, was left a pair of uh, a quadriplegic when she was 25. Her name is Katie Rodriguez Bannister, and she is a force of nature. She, uh, they have turned her life story into a play called Roll With It. And mm -hmm. it is by Black Mirror Theater Company. And it's at the Cranesburg Black Box. And uh, what's interesting about this is it's very heartfelt. It's a world premiere. Uh, she and her husband do a, a thing about uh, disabilities and inclusion called access for all so it's in partnership they've had three sellouts it's earnest you know it's a modest production but what it stands for is is wonderful and so uh that is at 7 p.m friday evening saturday at 3 p.m and sunday at 3 p.m so it's just one of those stories that uh, it should be inspiring and empowering. Good. That's a that's a good thing for this weekend. Lynn, where can they find you online? I am on uh, poplifestl.com. My reviews are in Webster Kirkwood Times. I am on KTRS Radio every Thursday evening with Ray Hartman. And uh, what else? I'm on all the socials. Carl, where are you? You can find me on... Monday through Friday on the Mark Cox Morning Show on 97.1 FM Talk. Saturday and Sundays on KMOX and 97.1 on Second Amendment Radio and The Great Outdoors. We're talking a lot of outdoors this weekend because it's so beautiful this weekend. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Carl the Intern, where I'm going to do a horn test starting next Wednesday. Well, actually, I started last Saturday, but there'll be another one coming up on Wednesday. So good. Have a good weekend. You too. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Enjoy your fall. <laughs>